Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. We are so glad you've decided to join us again. I am Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we're going to talk to a young couple. Well, they might not think they're young. I think they're young. Edith (laughs) and Daniel Busey today. um, Fairly... (laughs) Daniel was a bishop, a Mormon bishop, really not so long ago, and we're going to hear their story today. Edith, we want to start with you. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your background. When did you encounter the LDS church? Did you grow up LDS? Um, So I like to say I grew up LDS. Um, My my, both my parents were LDS. My dad was uh, a less active member most of, you know, my childhood and youth. Um, my parents actually came to know of the LDS faith in Mexico through my grandmother. Um, so by the time I was born, um, they, they already knew, they were already LDS. Um, my mom was very committed to it. Um, and that's, that's, what I grew up with, you know. Okay. So you're like third generation then started with your grandmother and then passed on yeah. to your parents and, and then on to you. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then um, you came to the United States at some point. Yes. Uh, when I was four, my parents uh, brought me over um, to the U.S. We lived in California for a little over a year and then we moved to Kentucky because of my dad's job. Um, and that's where, that's where I grew up. Kentucky. Always active LDS. And tell me about your personal experience with the church. Did you, were you comfortable with the church? Always happy, active? Um, (laughs) I always felt like I was an active LDS member. It wasn't until I became an adult that I realized I was not very active at all. Um, I went to church every Sunday with my mom. Um, she, you know, she took us, like I said, my dad was less active, um, but he, um, he encouraged her to take us. And and I grew up with, you know, that um, I grew up in primary young women's. I loved it. I loved their teachings. Um, It made sense to me. Everything made sense. It it was, I didn't question it. Um, It made sense. And so I felt like if it makes sense to me, then it's got to be right. Um, So So, how, so Kentucky is kind of like Bible Belt. I know from talking to like uh, Mormon missionaries, Kentucky is not a favorite place to be assigned um, just because there is often resistance. So what was it like for you as a kid growing up? Did you have many LDS friends? Were you, or because sometimes there's like a lot of crossover um, when people grow up outside of kind of like Mormon country, Utah, Idaho, California, places like that. So what was that like in terms of friends and relationships inside outside church? Um, I did have friends like at school, mostly at school. Um, at church, I was kind of a loner. I 
either all the kids were like older than me or they were younger than me. And I was the only one born in my year. So I was oh, always wow. kind of okay. alone. Um, and I didn't really have many friends. I was kind of the quiet person, very shy. Um, so I, I didn't put myself out there. I wasn't comfortable with that. Um, but at school it was different. You know, I did have friends there. I had good friends, but church was, was it wasn't that way. Um, but that didn't bother me too much because I believed it. I believed their teachings. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I kept going because I felt like it was, it was the right thing. Okay. Did you go to the temple at age 12 and do baptisms for the dead? I did. Yeah. I, in, in my home, um, our culture is a little, is different than the American culture. Um, so I didn't have a lot of opportunity to go to youth activities. Um, but I did the, the few that I did go to, um, you know, what the temple was a big one that I, I think the temp going to the temple was one of the ones where I went the most often, but as far as like, you know, young women's camp, I think I only went one year and I, I hated it. So I vowed never to go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, youth conference. I hated it. So I vowed to never go back dances. Like I, it just wasn't my thing. I, I didn't have friendships. Um, and, and the friends that I did have, they were kind of, they were very superficial. Um, I kind of felt like okay. they were just forced to be my friends because they were in, you know, the young women's presidency or beehive presidency or whatever. Um, so I didn't feel that they were very, very genuine. So I just didn't, didn't try. Yeah. Was, was any of that cultural, do you think? No, um, no, I don't think it was cultural. Um, well, maybe on, maybe a little bit on my part. Um, my mom had younger I had younger siblings and so my mom needed a lot of help with them. She worked full time as well as my dad. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like their mom, my younger siblings is mom. So, and she needed my yeah. help a lot. So, so that, that might've been part of it. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, how many siblings did you have? I have, how many do I have? Three younger ones okay. and three older ones. So I'm right in the middle. So nobody cares wow. about me. <laughs> and what a wonderful thing about your culture, right? Really strong family, helping the family, right? And um, putting yeah. family first and that kind of thing, which kind of fits with the LDS teachings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It, it yeah. really does. I think a lot of people join the church for that reason, right? They're looking for those strong family ties. Yeah. 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 So what about your siblings? Were they active about the same as you? Um, so my, my older sister, she's the oldest out of all of us. She was very active uh, in her youth. And then she got married and kind of fell away for a little bit. Um, and then my brother after her, he struggled a lot in his youth. So he wasn't active. Um, and then I have an older, an old, one brother that's older than me, one year older than me. Okay. Um, so he was super active. He actually served a mission. Um, out of all my siblings, he's the only one that served a mission. Okay. Um, and then my younger brother than me, he's like right, right after me. He stopped going to church when he was about 13. He just, it, he just didn't care for it, didn't believe it. Um, yeah. And my younger two siblings, they're, uh, they're kind of in and out, like, they're in because they kind of feel like, 
I don't think they've come to that place in their life where they're really like questioning or really wanting to know. They're just kind of still in their youth and just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. And that's so the, what did that's, you go, go ahead, ahead Joel? I was gonna say, well, that's just kind of the course of least resistance at that age. You just kind of go with whatever seems to work socially, yeah. culturally better for you. And then, yeah, at some point you yeah. kind of go, oh, I think I better make some decisions. But at that age, yeah. you don't bother. Don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Go ahead, Lynn. Well, in a strong family, you don't want to make decisions that kind of upset the family, right? But I was going to ask you what you did then after high school. Did you go to an LDS school? Did you look for a return missionary? (laughs) So my, um, I think part of the reason I wanted um, to share this is I've I've heard many, you know, many stories um, from people who have left Mormonism and stuff, but I've yet to heard one like mine. Um, when I was 17, I got pregnant with our oldest. Um, Daniel was on his mission, so it, it wasn't his. <laughs> um, but that was that was a really difficult thing for me to go through. Um, wow. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, now I think back and I'm just like, almost half of the girls that were in Young Women's with me, they were sexually active. But, you know, I was yeah. the one that got caught. So, um, so, so then yeah. was there stigma with that? I mean, were you then ostracized? Um, a little bit. Um, I remember I was really scared of my parents. Um, and I had no one to talk to. And so at that time, I felt like I could talk to one of my young women's leaders because um, she always seemed to be super nice and she always reached out to me and things like that. So. I remember I gave her a call and um, trying to like get some advice, get some guidance. Um, and I told her what was going on and she was just like, well, you know, you have to go to a Relief Society now. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. You just got to go to Relief Society. You're, you can't go to Young Women's anymore. Wow. And that was it. Like that was, that was, <laughs> that was kind of a shocker to me. I'm like, oh, but you know, to me, it felt like, but I thought I could reach out to you and you, you would be there and you kind of help me out and someone to talk to at least. Um, yeah. but it wasn't that way. And so I, so that how really old, did how old were you at that time? She said, I was 17. 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, wait, throw me in with all the ladies. Okay. So my question to you is, did anyone ever suggest that you put this baby up for adoption through LDS services? Yes. That would be a typical route, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, once it, it got known that I was pregnant, I, I, I remember having to like really think about if I was going to continue going to church because I knew what I, what I was up against or if I was just going to stop going and, um, you know, just let it be. And I remember I made the choice like, okay, this is, this is truth this makes sense to me. And I'm not going to let anybody um, stop me from doing what I feel like I need to do, even though I've made a mistake. Right. And so I did continue to go to church. Um, It was, it was really hard because, you know, it was like at the end of my senior year um, and all the other girls, you know, they're still going on women's doing youth conference and women's camp and everything. And, um, 
I mean, they would say hi to me in the hallways, the ones that I was maybe a little bit closer to, but for the most part, you know, I was just kind of ignored and thrown into relief society and I was their problem now. So, you know, wow. But, so um, was the, was so, the father LDS and a member of the ward too? No, he, he was not. No. Okay. So, um, but yes, once it got known that I was pregnant and, and um, I did have a couple families who just randomly came up to me and gave me these folders are like, you know, we don't know if, you know, if you thought about this, but we just wanted to give you this file, this family's looking to adopt. And, and it just made me really uncomfortable because I'm like, I didn't ask you for this. Like, yeah, you know, and, and it's at church, like right after sacrament meeting. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't ask you for this. Like, I understand what you're trying to do and I understand your concern, but it's just none of your business. Like, don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. stay out of it. Like, <laughs> um, so it's um, kind of invasive, intrusive. Yeah. You yeah. made an interesting um, comment I want to pick up on. You said you knew what you were up against at church. Yeah. So I want to explore that a little, little more. What what was it you felt you'd be up against if you well, at that time you know I did meet with my bishop he did encourage his first encouragement was to get married to my daughter's um father um that was his first encouragement and then he said you know if that's not going to work then you know as your bishop you know we we are suggested to suggest to you to put the baby up for adoption. Um, but he was like, you know, it's definitely your choice. Um, you know, you get to decide that. Um, and so at that time I had thought long and hard about it and I had decided I was going to keep my child, my baby. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that that wasn't the norm. I knew that, um, I knew how people were going to look at me. Um, they were still nice, but it, it was very superficial. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to a friend. She was older than me. She, she, she had become my, what do you call it? Ministering teacher or visiting teacher. Visiting teacher. Mm-hmm. And so okay. we had kind of become friends. Um, her husband was really good friends with my mom since he spoke Spanish. And so um, they were able to communicate. And, and, and so, you know, we knew, we, we knew of each other. And um, she, you know, I asked her, I'm like, you know, I like, have, have they talked about like giving a baby shower for me or, you know, cause I was like eight months pregnant and, you know, I had nothing and I was really looking forward to like getting some help. Um, and she's like, she's like, yeah, like they've talked about it, but you know, because you're having a baby out of wedlock, like they're not going to do that for you. And so I was like, oh, like, that's not the baby's fault. Yeah. And I was (laughs) like, I understand that. But at the same time, like I'm a teenager who is in need of things. And I would think that that would be priority over does this look good or not? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. You probably don't know this about my background, but I spent a lifetime um, working with teenagers who had made interesting choices. And one of the places I worked with was a YWCA that actually took in teenage girls who were pregnant, whose families had cast them out. 
So I have a real heart for this issue. I had no idea we were going here today. And I, I thank God for you. So in a normal Christian church, if that had happened, I, my hope would be that people would gather around that teenager and provide for those needs for the mom and the baby. In the LDS culture, though, it's such a disgrace, right, that they don't in any way want to do anything that would make anybody else feel like it was okay to make that decision. I assume that's where they're yeah. coming from. And, and yet it almost has the opposite effect. <laughs> so yeah. now I hope now that you're a little farther down the road that you can see that the God of the Bible who loves you perhaps even used an experience like this to begin to get you to rethink or open your eyes. Has that ever occurred to you that even those times that were hard might in some way be blessings as you um, get to know the God of the Bible, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I think now that I look back, I can see I can see those things a little bit better than before, but even now, like I, I don't blame them for acting the way they did. Right. Um, I, yeah. even at the time I completely understood why I still understand why. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not, to me, it's not their fault. It's the teaching around. It is right. their it's, teaching. Yeah. I was gonna say you grew up in the culture, so you knew what to expect. You knew they were yes. gonna act consistently with how all of you had been been brought up and what the whole, yeah, what the expectations were, spiritually, yeah. socially, yeah. Um, the Christians listening, I think it's important to kind of point out that in in the LDS culture, there's almost a hierarchy of sins, right? Things that are worse than others. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in biblical faith, you know that any sin separates you from God, right? And that right. Uh, you need God's grace and that we sin every day. But in the LDS faith, I actually believed, right, that I could keep sins at bay and that, that there, there were ones that were worse than others. And so this right. would be one that was one of the worst, right? And so, yeah, you know, how to deal with that in reality. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, Edith, so, so through all this, how are you feeling in terms of your own relationship with God the Father, with knowing or understanding his acceptance, his approval. What's going on with you in terms of how you're viewing yourself or how you how you thought God was viewing you during this time? I felt like one of the worst sinners in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that there was a way to come back mm -hmm. um, and get all those blessings that I'd been taught I could have. Um, and so I also knew, or I believed that if there was a way back, then that was God's way back and that, and that he had made it possible for sinners like me to, um, to turn around and, and, and repent and, and, um, 
start anew, you know, start, start again. Um, I don't, I have never, well, in that situation, I, I don't remember feeling anger towards God. Um, but, you know, I knew that there, because I knew that there was a way to come back. Okay. And did your, I mean, did your bishop talk about those steps? Did he say, okay, now that this has happened, okay, this is going to be your path back to acceptance, approval, God's favor, God's blessing? Yep. Yeah. Part of that was reading uh, the miracle of forgiveness, which I mean, I I was already feeling like, um, like the worst sinner in the world. And then after reading that book, I was like, well, there's no coming back from being the worst sinner in the world. Um, but you know, talking to my Bishop, you know, there, there were steps that, that needed to be taken. And, and I was like, well, if I'm going to get back on the right path and I just got to do everything he tells me to. And, so and your Bishop, and your Bishop was the one who's going to give you those steps. Right. So he yep. is, he is the, your guide on the path back. You, you, you needed your Bishop's guidance yep. and instruction to be able to make it back to authority. God. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. And that to me is one of the things that I struggle most with because I've, I've never been LDS. Um, I was raised Christian, um, but I've spent 30 years working with LDS people and immersed in the culture and, and all over the world. So not just in the United States, but even outside. And that to me is one of the things that I, my heart goes out for most is this dependency on another man, another fallen human being who gets to say how wrong you are with God. And then he gets to tell you how you get to become right. And it's like, no, um, that there is so much control and potential manipulation, potential oh, yeah. hurt. So I'm, I'm so, I'm sorry. Um, cause I know from other stories that that's, uh, that's just a hard path and it actually yeah. ends up separating you from God because rather than having the direct access to God and direct access to come boldly to the throne of God, you're now stuck with this intermediary. And sometimes you get a compassionate Bishop sometimes, I mean, but sometimes, I mean, some of the horror stories that we've heard, mm-hmm. um, you're at the mercy of another fallen human being. And so. Edith's husband, Daniel, since you can't see him, is grinning at this moment <laughs> because the man that Edith eventually marries becomes a Mormon bishop. How crazy is that? And in uh, ensuing weeks, we're going to hear his story as well. So all this is going to connect. Yeah. Edith, did you have a healthy, beautiful baby? I did. She's she's wonderful. Yeah. We, How we old is she her. now? 17. Wow. So we're like at, like we're within a couple of minutes um, and there's like so many places I want to go. So (laughs) I'm just going to say, Lynn, where do you, where do you want to go with this with Edith or Edith, where do you want to go in terms of God in your story and even how God used this? Okay, so you eventually went on and married. So I assume that you did all the things Bishop asked and you got to a place where you were again acceptable to the church, right? The Mormon church. Yes. So before 
Daniel, when I turned 16, um, he came to my house and he gave me a card. And in, in the card, he basically said, I want to take you on a date. And I never responded. And, um, <laughs> okay. and my mom loved him and he went on his mission. And then, um, and then he, he, he came back from his mission. I already had my, my daughter. Um, and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is the guy, maybe he'll take me for who I am now. Um, and he'll take my daughter and, um, you got to get in that temple because I want to have an eternal family. And so that would fix kind of, everything, right? Yeah, that would, yeah. that will fix everything. And he's going to fix everything for me. And I'm going to, I'm going to be acceptable now. And, and I would like to mention that in our ward, his family was like, like the good family, like, like <laughs> the good family. So if you marry into that family, you're good. You're, you're yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. So much of that is social. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's unreal. Yeah, um, our bishop in Alpine kept trying to get his daughter to get interested in one of my sons. <laughs> I, I totally get this thing. I totally yeah. get this thing. All right. Well, that's kind of, I think, where we're going to end then. Yeah. Daniel's gonna... been brought into the picture. Daniel might be hope for the future for you. So I think next time um, in our next episode, I'd like to pick up there with you and say, okay, how did that work out? And well, obviously it worked out really well because there's Daniel sitting beside you and you both look really happy together, so. Well, and obviously Daniel being Hope is only an LDS point of view. This is exactly. not yes. our point of view. Right. And certainly God is our only hope. And so um, we're going to get there <laughs> eventually. So you want to listen to part two. Grace and peace, my friends. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm-hmm.